Welcome to the Transformation Talks podcast, in-depth conversations on transformation with Rajiv Dingra, founder and CEO of RDNX Network. Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of Transformation Talks podcast. Today we have uh, uh, someone who goes back 14 years. I, I remember meeting him at all these conferences in India. Uh, and uh, uh, he's been in the news recently as well, taking his company public on NASDAQ. Uh, let me uh, you know, introduce you to those who have not yet been introduced to Mr. Amar Goyal, who founded Pubmatic, which recently went public. He founded it in 2006. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur and the company's first CEO. Now, as Chief Innovation Officer, Founder and Chairman, Amar runs Pubmatic's Marketplace Group. And as part of this role, Amar focuses on data and algorithmic product innovation, machine learning, and marketplace quality. As chairman, he's responsible for helping Pubmatic's board and management team that drive the company's overall strategy. Amar and his brother Rajiv took Pubmatic public on NASDAQ, raising over $115 million at a valuation of over $1.4 billion in December 2020. That's just a few months ago. In addition to Pubmatic, Amar has also founded several other companies, including Comely Media, the leading independent advertising technology platform in the APAC region. Even as a 19-year-old student at Harvard, Amar co-founded Chipshot.com, and over five years, he grew that business to approximately $30 million in annual sales, making Chipshot the fastest-growing e-commerce website at that time. So as an entrepreneur, Amar had raised over $100 million in venture capital, hired more than 1,000 employees around the globe, generating several hundred million dollars per year in revenue at peak. I am extremely excited and honored to welcome Amar Goyal to Transformation Talks. Thanks, Amar, for joining us. Welcome to Transformation Talks. Thanks a lot, Rajiv. Nice to, uh, nice to reconnect on this podcast and good to be here and excited for what you're doing with your new adventure too. Thanks for that. Amar, uh, it's, it's, it's been such a journey, you know, 14 years uh, and now, you know, almost 15 years, 2021 has arrived. Um, talk us through, you know, the journey of Pubmatic, you know, starting 14 years ago. You co- couldn't possibly have imagined it to be uh, listed on NASDAQ and couldn't possibly have predicted all that happened over 14 years. So what were those key milestones pivot points and evolutionary moments over the last 14 years? Pomatic uh, is, a, is a company that provides uh, digital advertising infrastructure to help publishers and buyers monetize their inventory and, and, and uh, achieve their marketing outcomes. Right? So we provide what, what's called a supply-side platform. We provide publishers a, a, a set of technology that they use to sell their advertising, uh, digital advertising programmatically, which means that it's being bid on in, in real time. And uh, then buyers are then able to use that uh, infrastructure layer to target uh, to target that inventory and to achieve their, their marketing goals. And we started in, in 2006. Uh, today we work with over 1,200 publishers. We serve hundreds of billions of uh, ads a day through our infrastructure of um, thousands of servers around the world. 
and uh, you know it's it's quite a high scale you know environment where we're processing many petabytes of information a day, uh, and so it's really a kind of a high compute set of infrastructure for digital advertising. It's been a it's been a uh, you know a winding uh, journey you know many ups uh, certainly a lot of ups recently uh, many downs throughout it too so um, yeah I mean I think if I think back um, you know certainly we when I started the company in late uh, 2006 um, uh, we started with actually something called ad network optimization so we were trying to help publishers optimize their different ad networks they have. And there, we were the first, you know, SSP to launch um, in the in the in the world. We kind of created the, the category. There were no DSPs either, and um, uh, but to be fair, like programmatic advertising as we think about it today, didn't didn't really exist. And uh, and there was some, you know, there was some talk about it, but it, you know, we really sort of said, hey, we think this is an interesting, growing area, and publishers are going to need a lot of help. And that was kind of where we, 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 got, we got launched. So that was kind of certainly one, you know, interesting milestone. Um, we really kind of, maybe another one I would think about is um, we, we created uh, the first kind of supply side RTB transactions. And uh, the first connections were actually between us and a company uh, called Invite Media, which was a buy-side DS where we acquired by Google and uh, you know, that was actually quite interesting uh, because we built this thing. We said, hey, we want to sell this, uh, you know, sell impressions in real time programmatically. And there weren't actually any buyers to connect. And I, and I actually remember um, one of our engineers, really good guy, he, he spent some time kind of yelling at me on the phone about how when we were building new products, we need to better understand the market and better you know, uh, assess whether there is going to be any real, real demand for it. Um, and it's, it's hard to believe that now today, if you look forward, you know, there's, there's hundreds of billions of dollars of media being transacted via real time bidding and RTB. And, and I think it's, you know, continuing to, to grow dramatically. Um, and the other, the other thing that maybe other milestone I might mention is that, um, we launched a product a long time ago. I forget the exact time frame. It might have been even 2011 or 10 or something like that. It was called Decision Manager, and it it took bids and integrated it into um, in directly into the ad server. And so it was really a precursor to header bidding, but which has you know sort of transformed the programmatic uh, digital advertising ecosystem. Uh, but you know we didn't really think about it, you know, like that. We didn't properly understand uh, what we were messing around with and, and the big opportunity that was, that was, a, that was ahead of us. Sounds great. Uh, so, um, Amar, you spoke about, uh, you know, the various pivots in your journey over the last 14 years, especially in PubMatic. How, how did you, and you also mentioned about this engineer whom you had a call with and he said mm -hmm. that, you know, you should, you know, assess the market before you launch a product and so on and so forth. So a lot of times when you're launching products in such a journey where you are entering into markets that you don't even know uh, exist today or will exist tomorrow, how did those decisions to get into those products or invest in the unknown happen? 
at pubmatic what was that process like yeah. you know for our yeah. yeah no good good question i think um you know it's it's definitely an interesting evolution right and you you um you definitely learn a lot along the way i mean obviously when when i started the company uh you know there was three co-founders there as well there was uh, mukul kumar who's in pune anandas who's here in the bay area rajiv my brother who's the ceo um out here and um he was a very small team let me say and now you know we have well over 500 employees and we have 12 or 13 offices around the world California across Europe. So, you know, you learn a lot about how you work with, you know, we're not we're not huge, we're not massive company by any stretch, but we're certainly much bigger than we were, you know, four people uh out of our out of my apartment, you know, in 2006. And so um you know, you really learn a lot about how to scale a business and uh how to work with people, different cultures, you know, all those all those kinds of things. Um You know, you talk about how do you make decisions with with products. I mean, I think that's one of those things that actually I think a lot of the fundamentals stay the same whether you're small or large. Um and and as actually something I would say I kind of um really enjoy, you know, is these early days of finding really product market fit, you know? And I think trying to really figure out if you if you have a have a business. I think I really love that part of the early stage process um i think i'm a good executor but i i certainly like to live in the world of, of ideas um and possibilities and i think that that's something where you but i think that at the same time you have to lot bring a lot of rigor to it you know when you're launching a new product the reality is that a lot of times those products fail but i think you have to really approach it with an open mind so you have some hypothesis about some product that's going to work and you really need to go and i think talk to a lot of people i think one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs i see do is they and i've talked about this with other people too they they go out they they have an idea and they talk to a bunch of people and they get that feedback and they they kind of cherry pick the parts of the feedback that uh fit their vision of the world and they they kind of disregard everything that is uh you know that maybe disagrees with what what their thesis is and i think you really have to be open to listening to all that feedback and and writing it down and and really trying to process it and sure people are going to make random comments and things that aren't a fit but if you start hearing something multiple times I think you really have to be honest and include that feedback in your idea either have an answer for it or adjust adjust your idea. Um and I think that openness of really listening and evaluating is it's really important to the the early stage process. And so I think you really have to think about it as a journey, you know, that okay, you A lot of people think about oh I launched my alpha or I launched my beta and okay now it's going to like tear up the world but I think if you think about it as hey this is going to be a two year journey to find something that is has product market fit and is providing value and is resonating with customers then I think you're not disappointed when at first your product doesn't get acclaim or 
a lot of usage or a lot of silence. Amar, that's fascinating. You know, it, it sounds like a 14-year a, a journey of product discovery. But uh, I'd like to believe, and the way you mentioned it as well, is that it's also a, a journey of self-discovery as an entrepreneur, correct? And you've, you've gone through this process with your team uh, over the last decade plus. And you, you yourself mentioned that, you know, you are now more than a 500-people team. And at that time, it was just four of you in an apartment. Uh, you know, uh, to a lot of people, that's a massive difference, right? Uh, uh, you know, being from, uh, you know, in, in Pune to and, and also in California and then now being listed and across multi-geographies, uh, petabytes of data, the scale difference is massive. Uh, what kind of transformation as an entrepreneur, uh, what kind of self-discovery do you go through over these 14 years? And, and what would be your learnings that you'd like to share with the audience? How did you change? let's say yeah I think that um, there like you like you said there there is a lot of change through the change through the process um, I actually think sometimes you learn the most when you go through tough spots you know when you when you struggle through something or you fail at something frankly I think that's uh, really times when I think you're forced to look inward a little bit and and get better perspective um so i think that that that's the time when you, you can really uh introspect uh, a lot and, and learn uh i think entrepreneurship is, can be very tough it can be a long road um i think for for much of my career i would say that i have not felt successful <laughs> so um, I think that comes part and parcel with starting companies. You know, there's so much beta in those. And what do you read in the press, right? You read uh, all about the companies that are doing great <laughs> and the companies <laughs> raised a huge round and or sold for a lot or, and so, you kind of think that's what's happening for everybody. Um, and that's just not the case. And by the way, even when somebody sells or goes public or raises a big round, I mean, those are really nice uh, points in the journey, but there's still lots of tough things <laughs> happening at those companies, good or bad, and, and they will have tough times in, in, in the future. Um, you know, another company I started called Gomli, uh, which um, was a digital advertising company in India, Southeast Asia. Um, we, we sold that company in um, 2015. But, you know, we went through some tough times near the end and, and in terms of the sales process and, and whatnot. Um, and uh, the last couple of years, and when I come back as CEO, and I, I would say that, that that actually really helped me. I mean, it was hard then, but today it's helped me get you know much better perspective about uh, people and relationships. Um, I would say that before that, you know, I think I tended to focus a lot more on the numbers and the products, and I think that experience helped me realize that 
this is a whole journey that you're on and you know your life is is going along as you as you build this company and so you should really enjoy it and you should really uh, uh, understand what you're going through and learning from it and celebrating the wins and and whatnot and so I think uh, that I think really helped me get get better perspective certainly start caring about people more and seeing people you know as people in the, in the business so that's been something i think um that's that's helped me that's that's fascinating you know you talking about the self-discovery of of how entrepreneurship made you uh, you know a different person in in some ways and also uh, the the definition of success you know uh, you it's it's not a not a destination as you pointed out it's it's a process it's the it's the sum of all the learnings over the last 14 years that you would probably term as success and not a not a, a number now uh, would that be correct to say yeah i think that's good good way to put it yeah 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 Fantastic, Amar. Fantastic. So let's, uh, uh, you know, it, you know, the way you speak, it, 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 you know, it, it comes across even in this uh, audio podcast that you know, you, you are literally living, reliving through each of these uh, moments that you talk about as you speak about them. Um, it'll be great if you know we can, uh, you know, take a little bit more out of your. Uh, uh, experience and and talk about the ad tech industry that you've been part of now for over a, a decade and a half. You know, you've seen the last decade, which is you know 2010 to 2020, and you had what I would call as a uh, you know a front row seat on seeing how ad tech has transformed, and in many ways you have you've been a contributor to that transformation as well uh, through Pubmatic and through Comly. Uh, Looking ahead, 2021 to 2020, 30, what do you see for ad tech? What, what are your, uh, if not predictions, uh, areas of, uh, uh, you know, uh, bullishness, momentum, uh, things you think will, will grow? Uh, uh, what are the areas that, uh, you know, of concern and, and the industry needs to sort itself out? Uh, what are the areas that you believe, uh, you know, will not grow possibly? Uh, if you could delve upon these three aspects uh, on the future of ad tech and maybe on if you want to talk about what the last decade taught you as well uh, on the ad tech industry front, uh, if you want to connect the last and the future decade, we'd love to hear from you uh, on that. Yeah. So um, I think I'm sure it's almost a little trite, but in, in sort of... Uh, joke in ad tech, the only change is, the only constant is change, right? So, I mean, it's a very fast moving dynamic industry. There's always a lot going on. Um, Correct. But, but that being said, I think that there are trends, as you kind of asked about, that play out over time. And it's a large industry now, so it's not like everything changes overnight. Um, you know, we, we really, I still remember like in the very first deck we had talking about how there's so much data in digital advertising, but people weren't really using it. And there was a big opportunity to use that data in a much, much richer way. And I think that continues to be, I think the real uh, impetus behind programmatic advertising uh, that you can leverage your data 
to drive better outcomes and better monitor for marketers and better uh, outcomes for, I mean, better monetization for publishers. And so we really, we, we kind of have the saying that all advertising is going digital and all digital is going programmatic. And that's something that I think we really wholeheartedly believe. I think 10 years ago, maybe a few people would agree with that. I think there's a lot more people that agree with that today. Um, not everybody, certainly, but, but we think in 2030, 2040, that will be the case. You know, all advertising will be digital and all digital will be, will be programmatic. And so... So, so let me understand that. Uh, so, Amar, just wanted to, sorry to cut you in, but I wanted to understand this. You're basically saying all advertising. That means everything on television, everything on even, even OH will be digital and it will be programmatic. Correct? That's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. But that's what I wanted to rephrase that for the audience so that they truly understand what you uh, said that by 2030, yeah. everything is going to be programmatic, every kind of advertising, right? Yeah. I didn't say by 2030, but, uh, but you know, let's say in the next 10, 20 years, yeah, we think all... Sure. Sure. Yeah, every, sure. So that yeah, you're absolutely right. Television, all television apps will be sold. Um, uh, well, it'll be all digital. And then as it becomes all digital, it'll become all programmatically available. Um, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's fascinating. Please, uh, please continue. That, yeah, of course, that's certainly what we So, so a big part of, you know, then if you kind of double click underneath that, then, you know, we think that some of the big important trends are one is that there will be continue to be monetization across many different channels, right? Wherever consumers are spending their time is where you will have, uh, we call it omni-channel, but it really means a cross-channel kind of monetization for publishers. So mobile, uh, mobile app, mobile web, video, display, CTV, right? Audio, right? I mean, all these things are going to move more and more, uh, move more and more to digital and, and then move to, to, to programmatic. Um, and so that is, you know, we think a big, a big trend. If we just look at India, we work with you know a huge number of significant number of major publishers, um, Times Internet, HT, Network 18, bunch of OTT players like MX players, E5, Vu, um, True Color, Daily Hunt, Sports Keto. So I mean, I mean those are the apps. But my point is like we're we're already even uh, certainly India is a you know digital forward market, but we're working with lots of lots of players, and we continue to we think that that will will continue to grow at a, at a rapid, at a rapid rate. Um, another big trend we see happening in our, in our arena is around something called supply path optimization. So uh, we think agencies and advertisers are really starting to consolidate their spend with fewer larger technology platforms. Um, so that could be certainly Google or Facebook, but it can also be, uh, major demand side platforms. And certainly we see that happening with our business and the supply side. Um, it's happening in things like, you know, IQ inventory quality vendors. It's happening with viewability vendors. So you have, as the industry matures, you have, you know, fewer vendors that the buyers are working with to, to consolidate their spend, uh, improve transparency, quality control over, 
essentially their investment dollars over their ad dollars. Um, so that's that's kind of another big trend. And then maybe one other one I'll just mention, which I think this is a very, very big and important trend is around identity. Um, there's a lot of changes happening to how targeting is done on the internet, uh, how it's done in mobile app, and how uh, marketers are able to personalize ads, how consumers are able to be reached and marketed to. And so I think we think there's a big opportunity there, but that's certainly a big area of change and, and like I said, opportunity over the next 10 years. Sure, that's interesting. And, and you, do you have any take on uh, Google's recent stance on uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, not having any alternate to uh, the uh, way of tracking, which is cookies and uh, not, uh, or at least not uh, openly and publicly supporting the uh, email uh, ID-led, uh, you know, unique ID propositions that several players in, in globally are working on? Yeah, I mean, we think that what Google came out with uh, earlier this week, I mean, sorry, last week, is really uh, in line with what they've been saying, right? They, they have said, hey, we want to move, uh, we want to remove third-party targeting, uh, third-party cookie targeting, and we want to move it to Chrome. Uh, and they've been floating kind of various proposals to do that. And so this was really Google's ads group saying, we're going to follow what Chrome does. I mean, that's kind of how I interpreted what they, what they said. So I, I think we felt like it's actually clarity that solidifies that the open internet has a and vendors to the open internet have a bigger opportunity to help uh, the ecosystem survive and thrive in that world. Interesting, interesting. Um, so, um, you know, um, you've been on the uh, uh, ad tech side, on the publisher side, you've, you've had interactions with agencies, you've also had interactions with direct marketers and brands themselves. Um, you know, for for a marketer and a brand uh, in in this day and era, there are hundreds of uh, providers, uh, maybe even thousands in some cases across the ad tech, martech spectrum. You know, and now with the uh, the the cookie less world and and multiple uh, you know unique ID uh, uh, providers as well coming up, there are different players claiming different things. And um, you know, I you know if if you know, even in earlier when digital marketing was uh, scaling up, uh, let's say 10 years ago, the problem was there was, you know, SEO, SEM, social, you know, 10 different things in digital marketing and 10 different vendors who were coming and selling to the marketers and clients. Uh, now in ad tech and martech also, there are, you know, multiple uh, different uh, players in, in the market. Now, when, let's say you come across a marketer or a CMO and he uh, sort of asks your view on how should large marketers uh, consolidate their ad tech or martech stack? What, what is your uh, advice to them? About how they should consolidate their stack? Yes. In terms of how should they go about it? In, in terms of should they, uh, you know, and, and you did 
you know touch upon this uh, saying that there will be few players in the future but currently yeah. there aren't right currently there are th- th- too many uh, uh, let's say uh, wh- what what is your sort of suggestion to top marketers and and cmos what should they focus on uh, to build better market better marketing stack better martech stack so that they are able to drive better results for their brands whether it's brand performance or you know uh, you know roi performance led uh, marketing campaigns how should they uh, align themselves technologically what are the areas that they should focus on uh, if if someone would come and ask your advice as a senior marketer of a brand so as to say yeah and I, i think every every brand has to start with what what matters to it right what what are the the goals that they that they have and i think um for example if you look at the most of the most sophisticated largest marketers in the world uh they are more and more data driven um they are more and more focused on transparency um they are more i think collaborative than ever because the world is moving quickly um and so i think a lot of them look for things like hey we want to we're less focused on having one vendor who can do everything for us as an example but we want to make sure but as long as we can stitch it together and we might incur some expense and pain for that but at the same point that brings us better capabilities in certain areas right and make sure we have transparency and independence so i think that's something that we hear a lot of the 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 biggest marketers in the world want um i think a lot of times when you go to the other side when you have smaller uh marketers medium size i mean there i think they're more focused on ease of operation ease of use they may be willing to give up transparency they may be really willing to give up independence uh in terms of you know for example in digital there's been a lot of issues with various folks doing the measurement on their own mm-hmm. marketing spend right many of the big platforms like google and facebook have done this a lot saying hey we don't allow any third party measurement and we're going to tell you how your ads are performing well there's been a lot of scandals around that where it turns out that having somebody mark their own homework isn't necessarily the the best thing but they do provide some operational ease of use by having everything integrated together so i think we you see a lot of small marketers prefer prefer that but i would say that as you like i said before if you go back up the scale to the largest marketers i think they're getting more sophisticated uh more demanding and more digital that's that's fascinating amar uh this is going to be my last question but it's it's going to be one that's uh targeted to the Uh, young and upcoming uh, entrepreneurs in terms of uh, if you were to advise uh, you know uh, the amar goyal of today in the sense that not that you aren't but somebody who's 30 years old and starting in ad tech and market martech so as to say today and uh, you know what would be the areas of immense opportunity for a young new startup to start today in ad tech and martech globally uh, what would be those one two or three areas that you would uh, you know advise them to look at more closely if we go back to some of the comments i made earlier uh it was really about thinking about it as a journey 
to find product market fit. So I would say it's more about finding an area that you're excited about, that you're passionate about. Hopefully you have some insight or some unique thought about something. So you try to go in with some, with some idea about uh, something and some solution that you can solve a problem for people. But go into an area that's growing, that's growing fast ideally, and that's going to be a big market. And if you think about it as, okay, we have idea one and we're going to build some prototype or uh, some POC and we're going to get it out to some people and see what kind of traction we get, you should just assume that that's going to bomb. Uh, but as long as you're listening, keeping your, ground, your ear close to the ground and listening and improving and iterating along the way, over time, I think you can find your way to a decent business. Maybe it'll be a great business. Maybe it'll be an okay business. Uh, but you can find yourself to a viable business. Um, and if it's in a good area that's fast growing where, you know, it has good um, characteristics, like you don't have a few vendors that own the whole market, uh, it's an area where you have customers that are willing to pay, things like that, then I think you can really end up with, with a great, great business and it's a good area to invest a decade or so of your career in. Um, so that would be really, you know, my, my advice to hopefully uh, a young founder who is excited to get started on a new business. That's, that's fascinating. You know, you're saying to keep an open mind, to experiment, to go on a discovery journey, uh, to consider failure as the default and uh, uh, work with that failure to improve so that you eventually find success. Uh, Amar, that's, this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation across your journey of 14 years, across Pubmatic's journey, across AdTech and where it is headed, as well as uh, some insight for young entrepreneurs who probably want to follow your footsteps to know what it takes to actually uh, lead a successful company and someday listed on the global stock exchange. Uh, thank you so much, Amar, for being with us on Transformation Talks. Uh, it has been an absolute honor to have you with us. Thanks, Rajiv. I don't know about honor, but I appreciate it. It's not kind of you to say, and it was uh, nice to chat and uh, looking forward to the podcast uh, coming up. Thanks for listening to the Transformation Talks podcast hosted by Rajiv Dingra, founder and CEO of RDNX Network. Tune in next week for another interesting episode.